Welcome to the finale episode of season one of Tell Her This podcast. It feels surreal even saying that. What a journey and labor of love. Thank you for listening, telling your friends, and bearing witness to these stories. If you've enjoyed this season, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next season with more stories, but until then, I'll be checking in with special updates and perhaps a few special episodes. Today's episode is the fulfillment of one of my very first dreams for Tell Her This, to feature stories from the women of Grammy-nominated supergroup Sage. Sarah, Amanda, Janay, and Erin are all celebrated artists in their own right, but with their powers combined, they have enraptured music lovers with dazzling, lush vocal arrangements, a commitment to education, and most of all, celebration of their individual magic and devotion to the music. I first heard Sage when a friend played me their single, Desert Song. I was entranced by these voices, weaving, buoyant, soaring, and subtle, and by the lyrics, deep, gentle, expressive. I joined their Patreon, exchanged a few emails, and one full afternoon in 2021, sat down to hear their stories. What a gift! A note here that occasionally I'll indicate who is speaking, but for the most part, I'll allow you, the listener, to experience and recognize each woman's voice. All right, let's get started. Hello, we're Sage, and this is the Tell Her This podcast. I'm Jeanne. I'm 39 years old. I am a mother. I am an artist. I'm an educator. I'm a healer. I'm a giver. And those are the ways that I show up in the world. I'm Sarah, and I'm also 39 years old. Um, I am a woman. I'm an artist, a singer, a lyricist. Most recently, a music video editor, a teacher, um, a wife, a dog mom, a daughter, an auntie, uh, hopefully a friend and a sister friend to a lot of people. Um, and I hope that I show up in the world as a beneficial presence who is trying to continue to grow and learn. I forgot to say that I'm a cat mom. I forgot. She's pissed. <laughs> I'm Amanda, and I am 29 years old. I am a writer. I am an artist, a woman, a partner, a pet mom, a sister, and a teammate. I'm Erin, and I am 30 years old. Um, I am an artist, um, an arranger, a partner, a daughter, a dog owner, a woman, and an educator, if I didn't say that yet. And I think I show up in the world as, right now, what feels like oftentimes an unconventional version of those things. Sarah, Amanda, Jeanne, and Erin are the women of Sage. 
They are funny and warm and distinct in their personalities and lived experiences. But as a group, I experience them as different shades across a palette of colors, complementary and graceful and harmoniously woven together as if they've always been that way. Here is Erin. In May of 28, sorry, May of 2019, we all um, agreed without actually having spent time in the same room together that we would go to Palm Springs and spend five or six days in this house that um, one of Sarah's fans let us use, which was incredibly generous. Hi, Angela. Thank you very much. Um, And so we all like packed up our things and we arrived at this desert house. Um, It was actually in La Quinta and we had all of these plans. Like I actually remember creating a Google document where I was like, oh, we're all gonna write down like what we're gonna do every day. And like, like Sarah had this idea that everybody was gonna share a skill each day and like we were gonna teach each other these skills. We were gonna have an arranging session every day and a writing session every day and cook a homemade meal every day and blah, blah, blah. Um, I think I thought that I was gonna go for a run every day. Like we just were like, this is gonna be this regimented incredibly productive five days. And the way that the story goes is that I think we wrote um, one half arrangement that we laugh about now. It was like, it was like kind of well constructed in a way, you know, but it wasn't something that we felt (laughs) authentic about. Um, um, But then we also wrote Desert Song, which ended up being our first Grammy nomination. Um, So kind of a wild contrast there. Um, But I think... I mean, I'll speak for my own reflection on that time. It was that we were allowing ourselves the space to really stretch out and kind of investigate each other and investigate ourselves within that space and um, just take the time to really allow what sage is to plant actual roots and not rip them up with productivity before we even got a chance to start. Sage epitomizes a core value and truth that I've been interrogating and turning over within myself. There is a deep level of restoration in relationship, in community, in partnership that asks only that you bring your humanity and your innate beauty. And anything more is a bonus. Here is Sarah. I think if we had spent a week together, like, you know, being as productive as possible with no depth or understanding of who we all are as a communal collective, um, that there wouldn't have been fuel in the tank for continued collaboration when we were apart. We had, we, we left with a deep understanding of each other as individuals and souls and hearts and minds and creatives and friends and, um, a deep love for each other. Um, and like no idea who we were musically, you know, like we just were like, okay, bye. See you soon. Love you. Um, and then the pandemic afforded us the time, like it was a full stop for everybody. And so it afforded us the time to kind of like be home arranging and recording and kind of exploring, um, who we are as an ensemble now. And that, I mean, that journey is never going to end, but I do think that if we had kind of like done a masterclass every day and written an arrangement every day and like done all of these things it would have been like you know a 
like a succulent with really fragile roots that like couldn't have survived beyond that, those first couple gigs. I asked them to share stories about when they were most filled with joy. Here is Amanda. For me, it, it would probably be the night before the Grammys last year. Um, we took some time in the evening just to like share with each other and just like be with each other. Although Jeanne's husband, Stefan, was there um, videoing the whole thing actually, but such a, such a fly on the wall that we didn't even, didn't even notice. Um, but we just took some time and space to just share ourselves with each other and be in the moment with each other and share some hopes and dreams and some experiences that have been hard over the past year and kind of where we were in that moment and shared some, you know, no matter what, this has meant so much kind of things. And it was just, I, I never saw myself being in a professional female group with adult like found sisters and um, being in that moment with them was very, very empowering and very special to me. The time when I think I, I truly felt the most joy was when I had produced and self-released my most recent um, solo project. And it was nominated for two Grammys that I was excited about, but pretty quick to um try to like ground myself and humble the experience as I think as as women were taught to do um, and people that were taught to do to like not really let your head get too big or get ahead of yourself in celebrating one's own achievements. I don't recall if it was in a sage meeting or just a conversation with Jeanne specifically but she was like you did that. Like, you are Grammy-nominated Sarah Gazarek. And every time I spoke with her after that, she was like, Grammy-nominated Sarah Gazarek. Hey, Grammy-nominated Sarah Gazarek. How you doing, Grammy-nominated Sarah Gazarek? Um, and I just continue to feel so much joy and gratitude for that permission that she gave me and the permission that she taught me to really step into the joy of, like, seeing something from seed to... Um, like fruit-bearing tree and to take acknowledgement of the journey, but allow myself the space to celebrate it also. And then to like actually be on stage and performing at the Grammys um, and to be able to like feel that joy and like to feel the excitement and like really look around and say like, this is happening. This is like something that I wanted for so long. And like, I actually am in a space where I'm allowed to love myself and celebrate myself and to be able to say, like, I am Grammy-nominated Sarah Kazarek, you know, and to not cheat myself out of that experience. I don't think that without this collective of women and specifically with, without Jeanne that I would have truly felt that spectrum of joy. Here is Erin. I'm thinking of um, a Sage performance. So specifically the first Sage performance that we had in person after the pandemic or or you know, since the beginning of the pandemic, um, we were in Idaho and uh, it was the four of us. And then we also had flown our drummer, Christian Newman out to play with us. And then we also had a really wonderful bass player and piano player. Um, and I think we hadn't seen each other since the previous March. Um, and we had been rehearsing and that was really magical, but then there was a moment for me when we were actually on stage singing, I don't know which song it was, 
maybe it was like Jolene or New World or something that's very like just easy to like sink into with the rhythm section um and we're doing our thing and then I just kind of felt the rhythm section kind of just like go with us and it just like sparked this burst like like just like somewhere from inside my body just like kind of like exploded and I was just like oh my god I I didn't even let myself realize how much I was missing this and now it's happening and um just like the the like explosion of of like energy isn't even the word but um I couldn't have asked for it to happen to me I couldn't have like planned for it or hoped for it it just was like there all of a sudden um and that's really why I I'm a musician. That's why I love Sage because that we're able to reach that together, um, and so just kind of getting that for the first time in 11 months was definitely just like this overload of joy for me. Here is Shane giving birth to my children. That I like. I prayed for twins. Really wanted twins and did everything I could to make it happen. <laughs> which is a whole other podcast if you want to know about it. But, um, and, and just, it was really interesting because when I went into the process, every book you read says you're very unlikely to have the ability to naturally deliver the twins. And it usually gets, it's a high risk pregnancy from the beginning. And the chances of being able to deliver vaginally are very, very low and so I had this very specific birth plan because I was like it's gonna get squashed anyway so let me just shoot for the stars and the whole process from like getting into the space because one of my things was like I want I need everyone that comes in the room to speak at a whisper <laughs> um and so a new nurse would come on and be like hi my name is Candy and I'm gonna be your nurse and then they'd look at my birth plan and be like oh I'm sorry and so like just the amount of respect that was paid um, it kind of changed the whole whole experience and um, everything was taken so seriously. And so I was like, in my mind, it started kind of getting like, this is serious, this is happening. And then I got this crazy laser beam focus, like going through the process and just, I was really eye on the prize um, as time was going by and things were progressing. And then, and then it was all over. And there were two new humans on the planet. I was very subdued because I think I'd like tapped into some serious grounding. Like I was very grounded, but the joy of just like having those people, like getting to meet them was just, it was incredible. For all creatives, regardless of the discipline, there's a level of trust that has to be present in order for one to tap into that freedom and flow of artistry. Trust of our collaborators, trust in the moment, trust of ourselves. It's part of what we're all striving for. I love what Janet had to say about this. All of the joy for me comes from the moment and from connecting with my bandmates, whether it's like the sage moment, like that is, that's where all the love is for me. Um, and just like, especially like when I'm working with my band, 
just the like, there's just so much trust. And the fact that, you know, anyone that I'm working with is willing to trust me to the point where they're just like, I look wherever you go, we all finna go. Like I, we going off a cliff, let's, let's go off the cliff. And that like is, it's, it's crazy because I somehow it just makes me feel very free. Like I'm safe to go anywhere and do anything and it's gonna be fine because they love me and they got me to the point that there's nothing that can go wrong. So it also creates this space of like such safety where we know, I know, we all know we're gonna get through it and it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be better than fine. Like it's gonna be magic. Cause this right now, what we are doing right now, this is the magic. And just like trusting in that truth, that is where like, it's like I feel love from my bandmates, but I also feel like love from the music, if that makes sense. Like, and love from the genre and love from the ancestors. It's a whole thing, but there's so much in the moment. And it's so funny because when the moment's done, I'm like, okay, yep, that was it. But it's done, like it's over, it's gone, right? It's not about like, oh, you sounded so great once it's all over. It's really like, yeah, that happened and that was where the magic was and that was where the love was. And now we're, you know, sitting around talking about television or whatever, <laughs> talking about books or whatever it is, like the, the, the love is in the moment for me. In my free time, you can often find me snuggled up with a good book, preferably fiction, preferably written by a woman of color. And when I'm not being transported by a good read, you can find me scouring the internet for the best flight deals and my next great travel adventure. If you love books, better yet, if you love travel and books, you should know about Booked Trips. Book Trips is for women who love travel and literature by women of color. Each trip is an intimate, immersive, and curated experience intentionally designed for the curious and community-minded. I recently had an opportunity to talk with the founder of Booked Trips, Jaleesa Whitley. Hi everyone, I'm Jaleesa Whitley, founder of Booked Trips. Book Trips is the chance for women who love books, who love literature, who might be a little introverted to, to find their community and find their folks and also be able to travel to new places, um, ground it in a book uh, so that you can talk about those ideas and passions, but also immersive travel that's more than hitting the hot spots, but really getting to have unique experiences that you can't in larger group travel. Before the trips, we send them a booked box that includes the selected book and curated items from makers around the world. I love that feeling of like conversation and community, and so we create that the first night of the trip over a curated meal and a guided book discussion so that we're connecting based on ideas from the beginning and you already have a relationship with the folks that you're traveling with over the next five to seven days of the trip. We get to do things that you wouldn't do on a large tour. We're having um, indigenous bag making classes with um, a woman maker in Bogota, Colombia. We're going on hot air balloon rides in Mexico City over um, world wonders. 
We are doing food tours that visit women-owned businesses um, in different countries. So you're going to have unique experiences that you wouldn't have had before. All of our guides are local to the place that they're from, and they have a real commitment to that city that we're touring. So they're not like, we're not gonna be on big buses with other people. It's really private, small group experiences so that there's some flexibility. If we see something that everyone is really awed by, we it's not like, oh, we're on a schedule where we have to pass by that, but we have the flexibility to stay longer for places. If you want to meander off and something is really exciting to you, you have the flexibility to do that. But um, the community for someone to come along with you, so safety isn't a concern for that. From the beginning of the trip onward, your dollars support small business owners across the world. So we are a Black woman-owned small business. Our book boxes and the book themselves are purchased from Black women-owned boutique bookstores across the country. Each book is. The items that are purchased from our book boxes are made by local makers across the world. Our selected hotels are boutique hotels around the world so that our dollars are staying in, within the local economy. And then our vendors are all locally owned small businesses. So we really support your dollars impacting the places that you're in. So you're not just coming as a tourist and extracting from a place, but really investing in the local community in a way that's transformative both for you and for them. Book Trips is for, for women, first and foremost, but I think all kinds of women. I think what they share in common is a curiosity about themselves and the world around them, a desire to connect with other people, both travelers and people that you meet on the road, and for that connection to be meaningful and not surface level. I think it's for women who are open to surprise and, and want to be transformed by travel and the books that they read. If you'd like to learn more about Book Trips, or better yet, reserve your spot on the next Booked Trip, please visit bookedtrips.com. That's B-O-O-K-E-D-T-R-I-P-S dot com. And follow Booked Trips on Instagram at Booked Trips. I asked the women to share about a time when they felt most beautiful. Sarah and Janae offered their stories. I will share a story about a time when I felt the most seen and safe as a woman, because I think that those might go hand in hand. Um, when I was a sophomore in high school, I uh, would like take on roles, like just kind of like try on different I don't know, like styles and just kind of like, let's see if this hat fits. Let's see if this friend group works for me. And I remember like, like kind of making my way through Adelia's catalog. I don't know if you ever saw those, Rochelle, but it was like a, like very stylish. And when we were in like seventh or eighth grade and like horrible, you know, it was kind of like hot topic for like, just for girls. Um, and I remember thinking like, God, they're so skinny. What if I was skinny? You know? And I remember even writing in my journal and being like, this is weird and performative, but maybe we're writing this down and maybe you believe it. And I, for the next couple months, like worked out a lot and like restricted the kind of food that I was eating and the, the amount of food that I was eating in this attempt to sort of test out this personality type and in, a, in thinking that maybe like I would be more popular and like maybe the, this is what we do to make boys like us. And um, I would weigh myself a lot. And um my stepdad 
It was one day when I was, I was weighing myself and my stepdad said, you've been weighing yourself a lot lately. You doing okay? And I just like stared at him and said, I'm good. And it was over. Like it was just done. Like I was like, shit, this man sees the fact that I'm kind of doing this thing that I know I shouldn't be doing to my body. And like, I, like that's enough for me to let go of this idea that like this is a personality trait or like a, like a, like a road that I want to go down as a person. And I just feel really grateful for his willingness to speak that out loud instead of just allow himself to feel uncomfortable as a stepfather watching something happen. Um, because like, I know my dad would not have said anything um, and my stepdad did. And I feel like it was the kind of thing that like I could have gone down a wormhole and um, adopted something that like, I, I think is easy to adopt to like actually believe that this is a path that I need to kind of like subscribe to and, and continue down. But I felt, I don't know that beautiful is the right word, but like loved. I felt like supremely loved in that moment and supremely seen and valued um, in a way that like, I don't know that I've ever felt before. And I'm just really grateful that it came when I was like 13, which was just such an important time. Um, because I think I, I, there was something that was healed in that moment that, that could have been pretty dangerous. I mean, if I'd had my dream wedding, it would have been myself, my husband, and, you know, a certified shaman in the woods somewhere naked. <laughs> but he, he's more traditional than I am. And he was like, that is not an option. My family lives in this state and they are coming to the wedding. And I mean, I guess the backstory is like, I decided that I wanted to make babies with him before I decided I wanted to marry him. So we started trying and got pregnant on the first try with the girls. And then, and there was this weird thing where we were like talking about how we would proceed with our relationship. And, and I had said like, oh, I mean, if we're together, we're together. Whether we're married or not doesn't really matter to me. Like, I don't need to be married to you ever. As long as I know we're a team, we're good. And um, he was like, what? Oh, cool. Okay. But then he proposed. Like, I was very, I was pregnant. We already knew we were going to be together forever. And then he proposed. And then I was like, okay, well, let's go ahead and get married next month. And so I planned a wedding in a month with two babies in my belly. I was pregnant. And I think that like, I come, my mom is a very like, old school kind of person. She couldn't make it out for the wedding, but she's very like, oh, you don't do this before you do that. If you do this, then your photos are going to look like that. And that's not going to look good. And no, 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 no. Like there are those things that you can like subscribe to. And I have always been a pretty free, like, eh, whatever. And so I, I went wedding dress shopping and I just found, I think I spent $40 on my dress. Like I got it from a maternity store. It was white. And I was like, this is the dress I'm wearing. And I remember showing it to my best friend and she was like, uh, is, is there another, is there another option? <laughs> I was like, no, this is the dress. It was just basically this long white maxi dress. Um, I made a little belt for it and got some cute shoes and jewelry. And my best friend like did my makeup and I like did my hair and, and I was very clearly pregnant 
And I think that's the thing that like, like I just felt like a goddess. I was walking down this like ramp to get to the park and my friend was playing violin, like playing me down the aisle. And and I just felt like I was floating and I was pregnant and my babies were at my wedding and we were just like doing the thing. And it like the pictures, I don't know. I don't care what other people think. I don't know what anyone else would think when they see the pictures. But like to me, I'm like, I was a fucking goddess on my wedding day. Yes, bitch. And it was like very little makeup, like not a lot going on. I don't wear makeup. So it's just like very, very, I looked like myself, but I was glowing that day. And I just think they're some of the most beautiful. I just felt very, very beautiful. No one wants to feel embarrassed, and most of us avoid it at all costs. We hide ourselves, we lie even, anything to avoid the hot dread of shame. But if you're a performer, and if you're a performer behind the mic, there's nowhere to hide. That shame is held up under stage lights and amplified by the speakers. I have certainly gone down in flames on stage before. Not a great feeling. Janet and Sarah shared stories about their most humbling experiences. I was performing as part of, like at the, the Earshot Jazz Festival with my band, and we've been together for 10 years. Like for, since I moved to Seattle for the job at Cornish, and then was just like, we, as soon as I got here, we were a band. And, and so, and I did a record of all original material. We've been playing it forever. Um, and, and I had this idea to like take one song that's already a little tricky and just like spruce it up a little bit. And we had rehearsals and we talked through it, but the problem was that we, had played the other version for quite some time. And basically it's a simple, it's not simple, but there's a line that happens, it ascends, and then there's a chorus that happens. But in the newer version, the line happens, but it's hipper and it ascends and lands in a different harmonic place and then resolves down. Um, and we're on stage at this, I just remember like, it's one of those stages where like they pay attention to what the audience is seeing as you're singing. So they're like playing around with lights and shimmering backgroundy type things. And it's just this really, oh my gosh, I'm finally on the stage, hooray. <laughs> and we were doing the arrangement and vocals, bass and drums, myself, my drummer and my bass player all did the modulation and went to where they were supposed to go. My piano player was trying to do it from memory and just played the original version. So we wound up at two different places and two different keys and we're just going. And it was so bad. And I had, I had to stop. But in my mind, 
I I thought it was I was laughing so hard because I I still laugh really hard because it was really really bad and it was not it was but it was so beautiful to me like it was amazing my brain was like this is awful and incredible at the same time and I just remember the audience looking like they saw some like they their they were confused. And they were like looking around and I was laughing and I couldn't speak. And I was like, I feel so human right now. Like this is the most like, cause you know, you like float on through your sets and you're like, oh, this is so fun. Nah, nah, nah. But there was a moment where like a thing happened and maybe it's because I neglected to remind, okay, everybody, we're doing the new thing, not the thing you've been doing for uh, two years. So let's check in for a minute. Like I'm floating through in my own little world and I didn't check in with nobody. And then the bottom fell out and the horror on everyone's faces. I, I definitely felt humbled in that moment. Like, and, and it's, there are so many ways that it could have gone. There are things that could have been done to prevent it from happening. And I always talk to my students. I'm like, the thing you're nervous about is the thing that you aren't prepared for. So just prepare and you don't have nothing to worry about. And <laughs> I'm like, cool, cool. Okay, so maybe I've been lying a little bit. Maybe I gotta figure out some other things to tell my students and not, like, and immediately I'm like, I cannot wait to tell my students about this tomorrow because it's such a great, like, it's a moment for learning and a moment for growth and a moment, a moment to remind me, at least, like, you are a human. Enjoy this feeling, that shock, the electric shock in your body. Enjoy that. I had an experience a couple years ago, probably like five or six years ago, maybe more, maybe more like eight years ago. One of my mentors, incredible bassist and arranger, John Clayton, called me <clears throat> on a Monday and said, we're in the studio today uh, recording the instrumental backing tracks for Celine Dion's next big band record. And we have this new arrangement of Mr. Paganini, and we'd love for you to record scratch vocals for Celine Dion. And, um, could you be in the studio in three hours? And I was like, yes, um, because John also taught me that, like, you know, when life asks you, are you ready? Like, you just, yeah, like you're you're ready. You know, like you get ready. And so I canceled anything that I had that day and just sat at the keyboard and did my best to try to like learn this song that I definitely didn't know. And I guess upon agreement was like, yeah, I kind of know that song. It's great, but like. If anyone who knows this song, it's like one of Ella's most iconic arrangements and has metric modulations and like harmonic modulations throughout. And um, John was like, we'll send you the sheet music. Don't worry about it. And I was like, okay. And like nothing came. And then finally this woman was like, cool, here's the sheet music. Be here in 40 minutes. And the studio's 45 minutes away. So I just was like, okay. Um, and the girls in the group know that like, I'm a really hard worker, but I also don't sight read super well. And so I definitely put in hours and hours and hours of practice time to get things to the level where like I could show up and do things in the way that like Jeanne could just sight read, um, just different strengths. Uh, and so I got to the studio and had done a lot of work listening to different things and had found some like, okay, this, this is like an, a rare arrangement of Ella singing Mr. Paganini with like some licks that are a little bit different that like set things up and got to the studio and John like put the chart in front of me and I just like shit the bed. Like it was just bad. I, you know, like, he wanted me to like read the like metric um, 
like timing of the rubato verse that had like like a bar of five eight that moved into like a bar of twelve eight that moved and it was like kind of written out to like do this rubato phrasing, and then there was some section where like I set up the drums to like create this new tempo and um, it was just really hard. It was super duper hard and I. Um, was so embarrassed because it was with like, at the time, my favorite big band and truly one of the most important mentors of my life um, with all of the best session players in Los Angeles and like this really important um, contractor who like hires people out to do this stuff and like wanted to die. Like I just wanted to like, like, you know, hide my, hide my head and like leave before anyone had anything to say. And I went up to John and was like, John, and he was like, baby girl, I'm so proud of you. And it was like, you're so nice. Oh my God, that was so bad. And he was like, all right, if you want to go down that road, let's also talk about all of the really incredible things that you just contributed to this and like listed off all of the stuff. And um, it was just a really beautiful gift to recognize that like, as artists, we have a tendency to like focus on what didn't go well and like how we um, like ruin things or like don't have value and that like, it's not, like I said before, it's just not black and white. You know, it can, multiple things can exist. There were things that will were usable from the session. Um, and it wasn't like I ruined it. You know, the band got what they needed. Um, I just like didn't record anything that could end up on the CD, which wasn't what was going to happen anyway. It was for Celine Dion to record. So, um, yeah, so I just learned a lot in that moment. Like I felt really embarrassed and then I just felt super humbled and like grateful to have that experience to continue to move forward with that like, okay, right. When we walk off stage, we're like, I'm horrible. But the truth is like, okay, let's make a list. Here are the three things that you wish had happened differently. And here are the like 145 things that you of eight months ago couldn't have done. I so enjoyed speaking with the women of Sage. They are brilliant and grounded and wise, which are all things I really value. But also, and perhaps this is a little selfish, they reflect much of what I'm holding and working through myself, both the profound and the incredibly human. I asked them how they define success. I think I've had a really um, changing, like a changing relationship with the definition of success. A mentor that I had early on when I was in college um, is a vocalist and she has an incredible instrument and um, a very musical band and, um, you know, had been on like covers of jazz magazines and had albums out and... Um, I watched her kind of deal with her own definition of success and 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 sort of established that like jazz musicians never feel successful because there's always something, you know, that like, well, that person signed with that person's manager and that person signed with that booking agent and I'm not, and that person got that gig and I didn't. And so I'm not successful. Um, and I think I kind of drank that Kool-Aid for a little bit to be completely honest that like, okay, it has to be this litany of things and um, for better or for worse, I mean, more better than worse, I, I was signed to a recording company and big booking agent and, and big management company pretty early on. Um, and, 
you know, had a career that was pretty highly involved in the music industry. And so had like an idea early on of like what needed to happen to have like a successful campaign with a record and how early certain things have to happen and just kind of this awareness of like how things work. Um, and it's like something as now almost 40 year old that like I feel like I've entered into like adolescence or like late adolescence as an artist where I can kind of look at some of the things that my mentors have said and just say like, oh, that works for you, you know, or like, oh, it doesn't work for you, but that's still something that you subscribe to. Um, And even in the last like five or six years, I've sort of allowed myself to ask myself the questions removed from the information that I had been given by these other people. And I think that, um, you know, and similarly, this is something that like I have had long lengthy conversations with Jeanne about um, because I think it really just comes down to, and what I've learned from Jeanne um, is like having your eyes on your own lane and celebrating your accomplishments. And like, that's it. We had this really big gig the other night with uh, Terry Lynn Carrington and Patrice Russian and it was something that we were really excited about and like a ton of work went into it and like because of the way that this grant that we were afforded was distributed it ended up being that like the faculty organizer is the person who like does everything you know like has to organize like the rentals for the drums and has to get like the parking permits and has to like buy the flights and kind of not buy the flights but like organize all the transport um and it was like a lot and probably more than I've ever taken on in like one for one performance. And I was walking back to my car and was like, yeah, bitch, you did that. All right. You know, and like had this moment where I just kind of was like, that was a success, you know, and like that was a success. And not again, not because like I am a singular rock star that exists in a planet of my own, you know, like but really just like you did X, Y and Z you know, and like that was a success and allowing yourself the space to just like process what a bird's eye view of like you looking at someone else would think, you know, that like if I were watching someone else do this, I would be like, oh man, I wish I could have done that, you know, like you did. So I think just being able to like bird's eye view your life a little bit. Sometimes I'm like, what would 21 year old Sarah feel about like what 39 year old Sarah is doing right now? Um, And like that girl uh, would like freak out, capital F, freak out at like this collective that we have and the things that we're doing and like the things that happened in my career and the relationship I have and, you know, the life that I've made for myself. It's different than the life I thought I was going to have. But I really think that that bird's eye view is the, the like willingness to celebrate the success and acknowledge the success allows you to see the success. For me, right now, success is that, well, it's a couple things. Knowing that I, I'm only doing the things that I want to be doing. I don't do anything I don't want to do in my life, period. My whole life. So, well, no, that's not true. I'm doing some, I have a schedule that I don't really like. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm doing a job that I want to be doing, that I love to do. I'm married, I love being married, I love being a mom, I love working with Sage, I love my solo stuff. Spinning all of the plates and managing to get through it without any of them falling. 
Like, that's it. That's all I need to be happy, is to just be doing the things that I'm choosing to do and keeping everything just, like, balanced and finding a way to, like, follow new things that I'm interested in without losing out on any, like, without dropping any of the other stuff. Like, that's really it. It's just to be able to exist in a world where everything is just moving forward and I'm happy in the forward motion. That's it. Here's Amanda. Yeah, I would just um, agree with Shawnee. I think that for me lately, my definition of success has become balance. Um, I think that for me for a long time, it was just do music full time. (laughs) Don't have to do side things, just only focus on music. And I got into a zone where I was just sitting in front of my computer, hunched over it, working in Pro Tools all the time, like not going outside and breathing fresh air at any point. And even though I was doing what I had set out to do, it just did not feel like I was doing what I had set out to do. It didn't feel like I was accomplishing something that made me feel fulfilled. And I think actually since joining Sage, there have been some transitions and I've uh, it's been revealed to me that balance ultimately is... That's the dream. That's the goal. And this final answer about success is from Erin. I agree with everything that everybody has said. All that stuff um, is part of the deal. And I will expand by speaking maybe to the more like unromantic part of it, which is that for me, like I, I want to be able to show up like with balance. And I love what Sarah said about looking back or like having my like younger self look at what I'm doing now and be really proud of me. Um, I also have become aware in the last couple of years that in order for me to like show up and like have balance and feel like myself and all this stuff, I need to be able to provide for myself like the resources, which is like paying my rent and buying food and getting giving myself a treat every once in a while and be, being able to afford flying to see family and friends Um, And so interestingly, I always feel a little sheepish talking about this, but like the idea of being able to make a certain amount of money as a musician, um, because my partner and I are both musicians, has become an important part of success for me, not in the sense that I want to be rich, but I want to be okay. And I want to provide health and balance for myself. And I'm realizing that I will need to be able to make a certain amount of money in order to do that and also have children. And so I like... I'm still kind of in this phase as someone who just turned 30 of like when I go to Trader Joe's and I'm like, Aaron, buy whatever you need to make the meals that you need. And also you probably need some chocolate and also make sure that you have a couple extra bottles of wine for when you go to friends' houses. I'm just like so proud of myself that I can just like do that and not think about it. Aaron, Janay, Amanda, and Sarah are celebrated and award-winning musicians in their own right. Many, many years down the road, the women of Sage could return exclusively to separate projects or perhaps find some new way for the group to exist. I asked them what this might look like and how might they know when they've come to the end of the group. I feel like even if we decided we didn't maybe want to tour or do whatever we're currently doing, Um, we would probably be creative about finding ways to still spend time together and collaborate in some way. Um, We've even, we've talked about at some point, maybe like 
forming another younger girls group that we can kind of coach or, you know, kind of passing it on in one way or another. And maybe we would trans transition into something like that or, you know, I think that we we would find a way to still be doing something. There's this group out of Boston called The Story that had a really, a lot of success in the, like, I guess in late 90s and early zeros, maybe. Um, and it's just these two women um, that sang together. And I, I thought they were great. And one of my colleagues was like, oh yeah, I was friends with them. I used to see them because I was living in Boston and I would go see them live all the time until they broke up. And I was like, why did they break up? And he was like, oh, they just got sick of each other. And I remember, and we were in Sage when he said that. And I was just like, I can't imagine. Like, I know that I am sure I get on y'all's nerves. Like, I know that we like, ha we're not, you know, we don't need to live in the same house and, you know, be married or anything, but, um, yeah, I just don't see myself getting sick of or being done with Sage ever. Like, and and the other thing is that <laughs> the only way it can exist in my mind is with these three women. So it's really just us. So like if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, Sage is done, right? Sarah gave us permission to bring in somebody else. I do not give permission. <laughs> uh, to be clear, it was to finish my doubles for the album. Sage cannot perform with the name Sage with new material with some ghost person. <laughs> this question feels so hard to answer because I feel like we will as each of our lives changes and shifts, I feel like we will all do what we can to accommodate how people's needs change and shift. Um, and so it's really, really hard for me to imagine like what it would be that would actually make Sage just not be a thing anymore. Um, and so really what I arrive at is that I don't think Sage would not be a thing as much as we would like go into hibernation. This group at this juncture in history feels incredibly significant. In an era when we are increasingly isolated and self-sufficiency is valued more than interdependence, it is affirming to hear these women, who I respect so much, say that they need one another. When the first glimpse of hopes and dreams for a storytelling podcast sparkled within me, I thought of it as some great service to the women I love, but what I've come to realize is that this work, these stories, all of this, it's what's nourishing me just as much as it is nourishing you listeners. 
Janae's words about Sage perfectly summarize my feelings about the journey of Tell Her This. I'm growing too much from this to ever want to stop. You know, it's just it selfishly. I'm like, this is giving me everything that I never knew I needed. And I intend to continue until I'm just not on the planet. That's my thought. And with that, I'll see you in season two of Tell Her This Podcast. Deep gratitude to Sarah, Amanda, Janae, and Erin for their time and stories. In just two days, Sage is releasing their new single, You Are the Oracle. If you'd like to learn more about the group, visit sagevoices.com. That's S-A-J-E-V-O-I-C-E-S dot com. Or join their Patreon at patreon.com forward slash sagevoices. The Tell Her This podcast was created by Rochelle Rice with funding from the Next Look Artist Residency. For more Tell Her This content, please visit tellherthispodcast.com and follow on social media at Tell Her This Podcast. Please share this episode with a friend and leave a rating or review. If you have a story to share and would like to be considered for an episode or if you just want to reach out with some feedback, please email me at tellherthispodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Thank you to Booked Trips. If you'd like to learn more, check the show notes for details or visit bookedtrips.com. This episode includes music by Maya Rogers and today's guests, Sage. Editing and sound design by Rochelle Rice. Mixing and editing by Ray Jala. And I am your host, Rochelle Rice, and you can find me at Rochelle Rice Music across all social platforms. Thank you for an unbelievable first season. Until next time, be true and be 